Northampton, tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day, and it's time for you to eat your greens. And you're in luck, my friends in the valley and around the world, because we got enough spinach to keep Popeye and olive oil making sweet love for weeks to come. That's right. It's time for another amazing episode of Vegan, Vegan Radio. Radio. Today's show will feature an interview with Jenny Brown and Ashley Smith from Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary. Megan and I have been volunteering at the farm regularly over the last few months, and now that a new barn has been built and herds of goats and sheep have arrived, I finally got a chance to interview my friends who run the sanctuary about farm animals and their grand opening plan for this summer. We'll be interviewing Trisha Ritterbush from Farm Sanctuary in Watkins Glen, New York, which is the original farm animal sanctuary. You know you're Jones in for tofu. They are celebrating their 20th anniversary this year with a gala in New York City, which Trisha will tell us all about. We have also have an interview with local Western Massachusetts vegetarian caterer named Leslie Serrier, who recently released a vegetarian cookbook called Going Wild in the Kitchen. And as always, audience, we have some interesting news stories that will make you glad you're a vegan. If you aren't one yet, St. Patrick's Day is a great day to chase out all the rotting animal flesh right out of your body, just like St. Pat chased the snakes out of Ireland. <laughs> So honor the Irish and eat your green leafy vegetables and let the delicious fiber and nutrients chase those little rotting meat snakes right out of your colon and maybe someday they'll even name a holiday after you. And now it's time for the Naked News. We have a new uh, sound engineer today, Scott, and uh, we just threw him right into the mix, so he's still learning the ropes over there. And we also have some technical uh, difficulties. Not my fault. What do we got in the news today? We've got Mad Cow Insane Government. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has confirmed the cow in Alabama has tested positive for mad cow disease. A routine test indicated the presence of the disease, and results were confirmed by more detailed testing at a government laboratory in Ames, Iowa. U.S. investigators have found two previous cases of mad cow disease. The first was in December 2003 in a Canadian-born cow in Washington State. The second was last June in a cow that was born and raised in Texas. And despite the confirmation of a third case of mad cow disease in the U.S., the American government intends to scale back testing for the brain-wasting disorder, blamed for the deaths of more than 150 people in Europe. That's very unusual of the government to... I know, because usually they're always looking out for us. I know. I can't, I can't understand it. <laughs> can't understand what's going on. The U.S. Agriculture Department boosted its surveillance after finding the first case of mad cow disease in the U.S. in 2003. At that time, there were about 20,000 tests annually, which were increased to the current level of around 350,000. The proposed new plan will scale tests back to about 40,000 annually. The Ag Department's chief veterinarian, John Clifford, announced the plan to reduce testing levels at the same time he was revealing the new case of mad cow disease to the public. As we approach the conclusion of our enhanced surveillance program, let me offer a few thoughts, Clifford said, explaining the U.S. will follow international standards for testing. Agricul don't look, don't see. That's what they call that. <laughs> yep. Agriculture Secretary Mike, look, find. Mike Johans pointed out testing is not a food safety measure. Rather, it's a way to find out the prevalence of the disease. Yep. The government, all they can do is surveillance. They're surveilling the cattle now, but they're... You don't really care. Surveilling. Surveilling? Surveying. Surveying. Surveilling. Surveying. Surveying is <laughs> what you do with uh, land, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know if surveilling is a word, is it? Surveilling. I think it is. 
Scott knows. He's being quiet over there. Well, audience, our next story has something to do with dung. And I don't know if you know this by now, but Derek has some kind of obsession with poop. So we've always got a couple poop stories to give you. This one seems a little sad. Boy and dad die in Derry's deadly dung pet. Wow, this writing is incredible. I know. That title <laughs> this- deserves some kind of, we should have some kind of uh, pop radio Emmys or something. Yeah. have that. Next. This sad story is about a dairy worker and his eight-year-old son who died in a manure pit on the farm where they lived in Grainville, California. Luis Gutierrez and his son, Luis Armando Gutierrez, went to feed calves Saturday night and apparently stumbled upon the manure pit in the dark, investigators said. Investigators found Luis Gutierrez's stalled pickup with its hood up. They said the Gutierrez's probably got out of the truck and tried to take a shortcut home. Footsteps near the edge of the 10-foot deep poop pit Seemed to suggest one of them fell in, said County Sheriff Alan McLean. We could see the dad seemed to be doing what he could to reach his son. But this stuff, if you step in it, it sucks you in. The dairy owners dredged the cement-lined holding pond that collects rainwater and manure running from the farm, and the bodies were pulled from it. McLean said the pair may have drowned in the thick, foul-smelling sludge, but it's also possible they were overwhelmed with noxious gases emanating from the mixture. What a way to go. Not a good way to go. Well, that's like the usual exploitation of labor at the farms. Another couple of victims. Yes, another victims falling falling into the poop trap. The poop trap. It's not just animals you're <laughs> killing when you're eating meat and dairy, obviously. The next story. Oh, <laughs> Derek, enough of your banter. The next story might um, have, a, have a solution for the. The next story. The next story also dealing with poop. Cattle crap, the fuel and flavor of tomorrow. Mm. Japanese scientists are making discoveries that may end up being bad news for animals already exploited for their flesh and skin. Two recent announcements signal the arrival of a new item to exploit farm animals for their poop. Sakai Shibusua, an agriculture engineering professor at the Tokyo University of Agriculture and Technology, said his team has successfully extracted gasoline from cow dung. The gasoline was produced by adding several unspecified metal catalysts to the dung inside a container and applying a 30 atmosphere pressure and heat up to 572 degrees Fahrenheit. About 550,000 tons of cattle dung are produced each year in Japan. The team hopes to improve the technology so that it can be used commercially within five years. In a separate experiment, another group of researchers has successfully extracted the aromatic ingredient of vanilla from cattle dung. This is just getting disgusting. <laughs> in a world-first recycling project, a one-hour heating and pressure, pressuring process allows cow feces to produce vanillin, the main component of, of the vanilla bean extract, according to researcher Mayu Yamamoto. The vanillin extracted from the feces could be used in products such as shampoo and aromatic candles, but not in food, said Yamamoto. I hope not. I think they'll be using it in food. <laughs> Compared with usual vanilla, this component is exactly the same, but it would be difficult for people to accept it in food, given the recent rules of disclosing the origins of ingredients, she said. The production cost using dung is less than half of making vanillin out of vanilla beans. We all know that zoos are just fancy animal prisons that allow humans to exploit animals for their viewing pleasure. This is a story of a prisoner at the Zoo World Beach Prison in Panama City, Florida. Tom DeLeo is a 45-year-old Sumatran orangutan 
who was apparently depressed after losing her mate two years ago and possibly also from being incarcerated for no crime other than being an orangutan. Her age prevented her from being moved to another prison or taking another mate. Last year, a prison guard introduced Tondaleo to TK, a stray tabby cat, and the pair became inseparable. The prison's education director, Stephanie Willard, says it's an unbelievable match that has worked out a lot better than she expected it to. The duo play together, cuddle, and sleep together each night, and they've been together constantly for more than a month. He's perked up Tonda more than anything, Willard said. (laughs) Perky, perky. That's a cute story. That's one of those stories that you like. Is it? (laughs) Cats and orangutans getting along. Okay, it is. It's sweet. I do like it. And now on to the vegan bishop suffering from dementia allows meat during Lent. (laughs) (laughs) The good news is that there's a vegan bishop in Tucson, Arizona. The bad news is that he hasn't been consulting Jesus about his latest decisions. But you know what? What would Jesus do? You know, not very many bishops seem to be consulting Jesus lately. I know. There seem to be a lot of uh, the, uh, Catholic clergy involved in a lot of molestation situations. I but think the Jesus hotline has been uh, disconnected. Yeah. So we've got Bishop Gerald F. Kikanis has announced a special gift for Catholic carnivores. The usual Lenten ban on eating meat Friday will be waived in honor of St. Patrick's Day. I will only eat the cabbage, but we're allowing people to eat the corned beef as well, Kakana said. St. Patrick's Day this year falls on a Friday during Lent, when according to Catholic tradition, Meat is not consumed. Kakanis announced that in honor of Irish Catholics and their contributions to the local diocese, he will grant a a dispensation from the typical abstinence for meat. The Tucson Diocese is one of at least 14 around the country that have given Catholics the go-ahead to eat corned beef on Friday. The blanket reprieves are a way of honoring not only Irish Catholics, but also St. Patrick himself. How about a reprieve for the cows? A reprieve for the cows? Yes. That would be nice. St. Patrick himself, a Catholic saint credited with evangelizing much of Ireland to Christianity during the 5th century. St. Patrick was also credited with chasing all the snakes out of Ireland, so to honor him by further abusing animals seems fitting. Sounds like he's got two strikes against him already. Yep. During Lent, it's abstaining from meat on Fridays and fasting on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday is a way of deepening a commitment to Christ. The church is encouraging... Catholics who choose to indulge Friday to make up for it with some other sacrifice during the week. Here at Vegan Radio, we have devised the perfect sacrifice to help you remember the animals you're paying other people to kill for you. Try locking yourself in a cage barely larger than your body and then feed yourself only pesticide-ridden cornmeal and rendered animal parts scraped from the slaughterhouse floor along with artificial hormones and large doses of antibiotics, have a friend come and occasionally beat you with a cattle prod. And, you know, we understand you probably won't want to go the whole distance and have have yourself killed by an exploited slaughterhouse worker, but perhaps you could have a section of your skin peeled off (laughs) while you're you're still alive to see how that feels. Oh, that doesn't sound nice. This St. Patrick's Day, we should celebrate the Irish by eating green vegetables. Yeah. That's what Jesus would do after all. And green beer. (laughs) McCartney's visit Canadian seals to protest annual slaughter. We're back to the McCartney's. Can't keep that walrus away from the seals, can you? You really like the McCartney's. You like to report on the McCartney's a lot. Become a great animal rights activist. I've heard that um, that one of Paul's uh, 
things he decided when his um, previous wife died, Linda, was that he was going to honor her by um, dedicating himself more to the animal rights movement. Oh, that's cool. That's why he's in the news all the time. Ah. Can't keep him out. Can't stop Sir Paul. As reported. As going to see the seals. As reported (laughs) in an earlier edition of Vegan Radio, Paul McCartney and his wife, Heather Mills McCartney, pledged to take the ice floes and frolic with the doe-eyed pups before the annual Canadian seal slaughter begins this year. Sir Paul McCartney and his wife visited Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, last, last week to make their opposition to the Canadian seal slaughter known to the world. The Humane Society of the United States, Rebecca Aldworth, one of the world's foremost experts on the harp seals and the campaign to oppose sealing, guided the McCartneys to the seal nursery. The longtime animal rights activists want to publicize the plight of the fluffy white pups, which are calved and weaned from their mothers on the frigid ice before being clubbed to death. Quote, I've observed the seal hunt at close range for seven years. I've routinely witnessed conscious seals dragged across the ice with boat hooks, wounded seals left to choke on their own blood, and seals being skinned alive, Aldworth said in a statement. The commercial seal hunt is inherently cruel. It's a national disgrace. Previous Canadian governments have allowed this heartbreaking hunt to continue despite the fact that the majority of its citizens, as well as those in Europe and America, are opposed to it, the McCartney said in a joint statement before heading up to the ice flows. We have complete faith that Prime Minister Harper will take swift and decisive actions to end the slaughter of these defenseless seal pups for good. I don't think so. He's a Republican. Yeah. <laughs> it's not not like a conservative. Good. I don't know if they call conservatives Republicans in Canada or what. I don't know. The legendary musician faces the problem of limited and thin ice conditions in the Gulf. Global warming is threatening the seals as the ice flows are becoming more diminished each year. This year is the worst year on record for ice conditions. The ice conditions are so bad that the government has not yet set a quota for the Gulf, and they have not set an opening day for the slaughter. The United States has banned Canadian seal products since 1972, and the European Union banned the white pelts of baby seals in 1983. Harp seals have been hunted commercially off Newfoundland since the early 1700s. They were first murdered for their oil, but now are violently killed mainly for their pelts, which are sold to the fashion industry in Norway, China, and Russia. Seal penis is also a delicacy in some Asian countries. Yummy, yummy. I don't think we want to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Our last story. Jury convicts shack activists. On March 2nd, The Bush administration dealt yet another blow to the First Amendment as the Shack 7 were found guilty of multiple federal felonies for advocating the closure of the notorious animal testing lab Huntingdon Life Sciences. Now, all six activists face years in federal prison. The government charged that Shack, which stands for Stop Huntington Animal Cruelty, waged a five-year campaign against Huntingdon Life Sciences, posting on its website info about the lab's employees and those who do business with Huntington. The information included their home phone numbers, addresses, and where their children attended school. Not only is this conviction an appalling miscarriage of justice for the defendants, but it also demonstrates the erosion of free speech protections and is part of a politically motivated attack on the animal rights movement in particular. This is the first time anyone has ever tried, under the Animal Enterprise Protection Act of 1992, formerly known as the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act, and the conviction set a nightmarish precedent for animal protection campaigners throughout the country. 
Many industry hacks hope that convictions under the AEPA will clear the way for the government to go after any activist that campaigns against big business and is successful, regardless of the legality of their tactics. That includes environmental and political activists, too. So basically, that animal rights activists will just not be able to do... The government, you know, ultimately wants to be able to quell all dissent, you know, so... Animal rights activists are an easy target to start with because... Because people even, hate animal rights yeah, activists. Even, even people on the left kind of try to marginalize us. So uh, it's like that saying about what happened in uh, Germany or whatever. First they came for the Jews and I looked away because I'm not Jewish. And then they came for homosexuals and I looked away because I wasn't homosexual. So all you lefties out there, if you're not helping us animal rights activists out, you're... Screwing yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it in mind. Keep it in mind. Go vegan now. Join the revolution. So all the defendants were were involved in some capacity in the campaign to close Huntington Life Sciences, a contract research lab with one facility in New Jersey and two in England. Horrendous acts of cruelty to animals at the lab were exposed in five different undercover investigations. There was video footage that showed workers punching beagles in the face, dissecting live monkeys, falsifying scientific data, and violating countless sections of the Animal Welfare Act. Since 1999, activists have campaigned globally against the lab, bringing it to the brink of closure. The defendants are not actually accused of having personally engaged in terrorist or threatening acts. Instead, the government's case centers around the idea that above-ground organizers of a campaign are responsible for any and all acts that anyone engages in while furthering the goals of the organizers. In this case, the claim is that the Shack 7 should be imprisoned because underground activists took illegal actions against companies with ties to HLS. Although legal precedents are clearly on the side of the Shack 7, appealing the verdict will be a lengthy and costly process. For the defendants, this means potentially being imprisoned for years before it's possible that the verdict could be overturned. The defendants desperately need our support, both financially to cover the cost of the appeal process and morally to help them through these difficult and trying times. For more information on how you can help support the Shack 7 and reclaim our free speech rights, please visit www.s-h-a-c7.com. Give me an S. <laughs> yeah, done. So that's... They don't all have to be capitals, by the way. Well... All right. That's just for emphasis in the writing. Okay. No need to get technical. Oh, yes, there is. So that's it for the news on Vegan Radio. For links to this and other Vegan Radio news stories, please visit our show notes at veganradio.com. This is Jenny Brown and Ashley Lou Smith of the Woodstock Farm Farm Animal Animal Sanctuary. Sanctuary. And you're listening to Vegan Radio. (laughs) Check them out at veganradio.com. Go vegan! Next up, we have um, Leslie Serriers, a local Western Mass cookbook author, and she has her own catering business, and we have a pre-recorded interview with her we are going to play for you now. She talks about Wild. Wild in the Kitchen is wild the name in the of the cookbook. So we're here with Leslie Serriers. Serriers? Let's say Serriers. Uh-huh. And your cookbook is Going Wild in the Kitchen? Yes. It's a vegetarian cookbook. Do you want to tell us about it? Yeah, it's actually a creative guide to vegetarian cooking. I've got over 150 
kitchen-tested recipes with lots of mix-and-match charts so you can substitute ingredients. So it's really a recipe for inspiration as well as um, a cookbook with tried-and-true recipes. It's a really wonderful cookbook for folks who are new to vegetarian cooking or seasoned cooks who are um, looking to follow their own instincts and go wild in the kitchen by adding, subtracting, or substituting ingredients. And um, it's really kind of a think-out-of-the-box kind of cookbook. It's really a, um, because there are so many recipes that are kind of stretching the home cook to venture beyond the usual grains and beans and vegetables. So, for instance, there's recipes with some of the exotic ancient grains like teff and quinoa and spelt. And there are wheat-free pastries with teff and um, quinoa and spelt as well, as well as using, you know, holy pastry flour. So it's a really whole grain cookbook. Um, most of the recipes for pastries are maple syrup sweetened. And, you know, there's just really scores of my favorite recipes that I eat every day to, to stay healthy and to keep uh, my athletic habit going. Could you tell us about the teff flour? What, um, is there any nutritional advantage to that over wheat flour? Well, teff is a nutritional powerhouse. If you had a cup of teff flour, say, in a, in a pastry or a cup of teff grain, you'd be getting 80% of the U.S. RDA for iron. 32% for calcium. There's a good helping wow. protein, although it's not a complete protein. Um, it's It's got about the same amount of protein as an egg. So combining that with a bean would give you a complete protein or some eggs or dairy would also give you complete protein. So I kind of nickname it a women's grain because it's just, you know, so loaded with all the vitamins, you know, men and women need, like calcium and lots of iron. Now, you don't happen to have any um, wild edibles in your recipes, do you? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You do? I mean, Gone Wild in the Kitchen has got wild edibles. I mean, there's a whole chapter on making your own flavored vinegars and oils, and it also talks about using edible flowers. And in those oils as, and vinegars, as well as other recipes, there's a sprinkling of information about how to use some of those common wild edibles you know, such as berries, which most people are familiar with but might not realize that blackberries are a wild food, um, as well as mushrooms that are commonly available at any, you know, well-stocked health food store, and sea vegetables, which are also gaining in popularity because of sushi. And so those are some of the wild edibles that I'm including. And then there's lots of information and cooking tips. Um, to let you know how to use those. Could you tell us what some of your favorite um, vegan recipes in the book would be? Well, most of the book actually is vegan. So there's like 150 recipes in there, and I would say, you know, 80, 90% are vegan. <laughs> the Teff Banana Pancakes are wonderful. You can make a fabulous lemon poppy seed cake that's vegan. All the soups, are, for the most part, are vegan. There's a ginger carrot soup spicy tomato quinoa soup, curried potato soup, asparagus with fresh fennel, uh, bismani rice soup with French herbs, you know, multiple mushroom barley soup with wine. I mean, just looking in the soup chapters, you know, it's full of great. Some other, some other ones that I love are my cilantro olive dip, um, which has the marinated dried tomatoes, which is another recipe that's in the book. 
So what, what inspires you? The local organic harvest inspires me. And, you know, when I find that there are ingredients that are really nutritious that I haven't ever cooked with, I want to I wanna try them. So my curiosity, like when I found um, Chinese forbidden black rice and, and tasted it, I was like, wow, that tastes fabulous. I want to, you know, I want to see what that's like with coconut milk and garlic. And I just want to, you know, create and um, just find different combinations that may be, you know, somewhat familiar in terms of an ethnic accent or just, again, thinking out of the box and what if I mixed and matched it with this, what it would be like. So nutrition is a big motivator for me and taste. And you also have a catering business? That's right. My catering business is called The Organic Gourmet, and again, I, I create menus, you know, I've never done the same menu twice in about, you know, 18 years of catering, because I'm wow. always working with what people like and and with the local harvest, which keeps getting bigger and greater each each summer, so. Do you do weddings? I do weddings, I do bar and bat mitzvahs, I do yoga and meditation retreats. I cook for people who uh, might be too busy to cook as a personal chef during the week. I've done medicinal cooking for folks who might have um, cancer or heart disease. Is there a website or uh, any any way our listeners could find you? Yes, you can go to my website, Leslie, and I spell it L-E-S-L-I-E, and my last name is This is Dan Perraro, creator of Bizarro. You're listening to Vegan Radio. And if you're eating a bologna sandwich right now, spit it out. That crap can kill you. All right, we have uh, Tricia Ritterbush from Farm Sanctuary in Watkins Glen, New York. It's uh, Farm Sanctuary's 20th anniversary this year, and uh, you have a couple events coming up that we wanted to talk to you about. Um, So tell us about, uh, first, I guess, the Farm Animal Farm in San Francisco. Sure. Um, this is the fourth year that we're holding our Farm Animal Forum, and it's an activist conference um, that gets folks to uh, become more an active participant in uh, the nation's leading effort to protect farm animals. And it's uh, Saturday, March 25th, and then we also have a veggie day in the park at Dolores Park in San Francisco on that Sunday the 26th. We are also planning a uh, restaurant demonstration and leafleting uh, the night before at 7 p.m. Um, on the 24th. Um, and this is uh, to go in line with one of our uh, campaigns that we have. Um, um, if you check out WolfgangPuckCruelty.org, um, we're actually going to be uh, leafleting at Wolfgang Puck's Patria Restaurant, um, which is right at Union Square Park. Um, to try to get him to remove foie gras and veal from his menus. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how'd, how'd Wolfgang Puck get all his uh, products into, like, Whole Foods and all that? I always see his canned food. and Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. He seems like a rotten uh, scoundrel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of rotten scoundrels get their products into stores. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it's uh, Farm Sanctuary's 20th anniversary. Mm-hmm. What have you guys been doing for the last 20 years? <laughs> well, uh, we've seen the first laws passed in the U.S. to ban cruel factory farming practices. Um, we established one of the country's first shelters for farm animals. Um, and we also opened the hearts and minds of Americans to farm animal flight. And we started 
in the springtime of 1986, and the inception of Farm Sanctuary started with the rescue of Hilda. Uh, she was a downed um, sheep uh, that was found um, at a stockyard on a dead pile, and um, rescuers found her and took her back to their home and rehabilitated her, and she was only dehydrated, and um, she needed a little bit of, of extra love and care, and she ended up living 11 years um, at Farm Sanctuary. So all the work that we do is, um, is in regards to the work that we've done for Hilda and other animals. Um, that's, that's our focus. Um, and so we are celebrating uh, our 20th anniversary this year in New York City on May 20th at Cipriani Wall Street. And we're going to have lots of celebrities there. Um, our honorary chairs this year are Daryl Hannah and Heather Mills McCartney. Are they both going to be there? Yes, they are. Derek wow. loves Heather Mills McCartney. <laughs> he loves to talk about her on She's vegan radio. She's in the news all the time. Huh? Wow, I been, know. She's been, been really active, active lately, particularly with the seal hunt. I noticed. Yeah, we just, we just talked about that in our news oh, section. Really? Yep. Yep. Right. Um, what legislation is Farm Sanctuary currently working on? Well, uh, we have legislation pending in several states um, in regards to uh, bans on slog rocks. Our latest small victory um, was a passage through a committee in Massachusetts for the uh, uh, ban on the production of foie gras. Originally, it had included both production and sale. Unfortunately, the sale part was stripped from the bill, but we feel if this passes, when it passes, that it will be a step in the right direction, and it will prevent any foie gras farms from, from opening in the state. Um, <clears throat> so that is now sitting with the Ways and Means Committee. We also have a confinement bill in the state of Massachusetts um, that would end the confinement of pigs in gestation crates. And that right now is held up in a study committee, um, but we're hoping that's going to move this year. Um, and then there are also, um, uh, there's additional pending legislation on foie gras in the city of Chicago. And we're hoping for a vote, um, hopefully by the end of this month, that would ban the sale of foie gras in Chicago. Um, and then there's also pending legislation uh, that was recently introduced in Hawaii and Washington State. And uh, there is also uh, reg uh, legislation for the state of um, Illinois as well, which we're hoping is going to move this year. One of the most exciting pieces of legislation that we're working on actually is in the state of Arizona. And it would end, uh, it's actually a ballot initiative. So we're in the process of gathering signatures. So if there are any listeners that are based in Arizona, please get involved in this. It's Arizonans for Humane Farms, and we're um, helping with this uh, effort to to um, get this put on the ballot. And basically, it would end the use of gestation crates and veal crates in the state. Apparently, there's a vegan bishop in uh, Arizona. We just had a news story about. <laughs> really, that's fascinating. It's fascinating. His his latest shenanigan was to uh, allow Catholics to eat meat tomorrow, even though it's Lent, because it's also St. Patrick's Day. So uh, I don't know what kind of vegan he is. One of those health vegans, I think. Right. But um, we're we're talking to Jesus about it, and he's going to get back to us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Let's let's hear some more about these celebrities. Okay. <laughs> Which well, celebrities are going to be at this gala? Well, uh, we're going to be giving uh, some awards out. Uh, Alicia Silverstone will be in attendance. I heard she's coming just to meet me. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, she definitely asked specifically if Derek <laughs> going to be present. Is Derek Goodwin going to be there? Because if not, I'm not going to attend. Well, she's yeah. been photographed by the rest. She might as well get photographed by the best. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's been calling him and harassing him and stuff. And oh, really? She's kind of my stalker. She's stalking you. Yeah, but, but since she's a good activist, I'll, I'll let it slide. She is. Uh, yeah, she has adopted several um, animals um, at Farm Sanctuary and, and has given sponsorship adoptions to friends and family and really introduced so many people to, to the movement. It's, she's, she's just wonderful. Uh, we, we just received this past week. I actually, um, this has not been publicly announced yet. So, um, Ooh, here so first on Vegan news. Radio. Breaking news, breaking news. <laughs> Breaking news. Um, U.S. Representative Dennis Kucinich <gasps> and his wife will be present. Oh, my favorite. And wow. we are giving them the Con- Congressional Friend of Farm Animals Award. All right. Um, so they confirmed their attendance, and we are so excited oh, about that. Oh, that's awesome. It's really going to charge the evening. Well, their, their uh, wedding was in the last issue of Veg News. Yeah, it was. And, but uh, with the Wushu Girls. I was, I was at that one. It's kind of scandalous, <laughs> I think. Kind of 30, his wife's 30 years younger. Oh, please. Please. All right, what other what other, <laughs> what other famous celebrities are going to be Vegan there? Vegan radio is all about gossip, so you got to... <laughs> and all about dating younger women. Keep it coming. So, what other celebrities are going to um, be there? We're also pre- presenting an award to Persia White. Oh, he, Derek's other personal favorite. My other stalker. He's receiving our Friend Not Food Award. Persia White from Girlfriends, if yeah, our uh, listeners don't know. I think she's the, the first uh, vegan uh, character as well, because I know her, her character at Girlfriends is vegan. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. That's uh, awesome. Maybe. I think Elf might have been vegan. <laughs> 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 well, maybe he's the first human character. And wasn't Spock vegan? Mr. Spock, I think, was vegan, too. <laughs> okay. um, and we have several other folks that are attending as well. Um, Grant Alexander, who's always been a huge supporter oh, yeah. of us. Yeah. Um, anyone who is a soap opera fan would know him. As Philip Spalding from The Guiding Light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Ed Bagley Jr. is coming. Oh. Thora Birch. Um, Howard Thora K. Birch. Eisenberg. What is Thora Birch from? I'm sorry? Thora Birch. Thora Birch. She's from American Beauty. Oh, yes. She's, yeah. She's, she's like a big her. tree activist, too, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Jill Larson, who is also a soap opera star. Um, Peter Max is going to be there. Oh, another big one. Uh, Moby. Uh, Moby. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Moby's going to be there. He's my personal favorite. He oh, this is. is getting more exciting all the time. And Eric Roberts will be in attendance. Julia Roberts' brother? Yes. Uh, oh, Ali Sheedy's coming. Loretta Swift. Ooh, <laughs> Ali Sheedy. Ali Sheedy. we got to watch her this time. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Williams. Piper Parabo. I don't know her. Uh, she she was in much Coyote TV. Ugly. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I know that movie. <laughs> So the folks are now, um, we're, we're getting lots of confirmations every day. Another, I another bet, with that lineup. Mm-hmm. That's so an incredible how much, lineup. How much is it to attend? $300 per ticket, and it includes a three-course gourmet vegan dinner um, by Cipriani. So we're in the midst of tasting, going through tastings with them and getting the, the menu just right. So registration deadline is May 15th, so we do hope that people will register sooner rather than later. Um and, and yeah, I think we're really, we're really excited about this uh, this location. Um, it's a new location for us, and the chefs seem to be really in tune with what's going on from the 
the vegan end and, and seem to be really interested in this. They're getting consulting from Candle Cafe. Oh, that's nice. And Candle Cafe is actually receiving our Leader in Compassionate Living Award as well. So awesome. We're going to be there. So where is this being held again? It's at Cipriani Wall Street. Okay, so this is a switch from the plaza. Yes, it is. Uh, we've outgrown the plaza. <laughs> ah. So if you, you go to the Farm Sanctuary website, can you register on there? Um, yes. If you come to our website, you can register here. Um, another thing, too, folks are, are actually flying in from out of town. If you book your travel through um, our Farm Sanctuary Gala site, the proceeds of that travel go to Farm Sanctuary. So you can be helping Farm Sanctuary all the way through with your travel plans. So that's a new um, new partnership that we have. And it's with Expedia and Hotmail and um, all the major sites. That's pretty cool. And the website um, is at farmsanctuary.org slash gala slash 2006. But if you just go to farmsanctuary.org, there's a big banner that you can click on that will take you directly to the site. Great. Great. Well, we'll have that in our show notes for everybody. Perfect. And uh, thanks so much for interviewing us. Thank you. Or, thanks for having me. We're interviewing you. Who's interviewing who here? <laughs> <laughs> you'll, have, you'll, have, you'll have to excuse Derek. <laughs> we've, we've, we've had a rough day of technical difficulties. We've had technical difficulties all day, and my brain is really doing flips <laughs> right now. So. It's a sad state of affairs. But uh, soon we'll have this all figured out. Well, thanks so much, and we're going to wrap up our show here, so we'll let okay. you go. Thanks, Trisha. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hi, I'm Sarah Kramer from GoVegan.net, and you're listening to Vegan Radio. Hello, listeners. Welcome to our special podcast-only part of today's show. As many of you know, Vegan Radio is broadcast first on FM Radio in Northampton, Massachusetts, where Megan and I live. Um, last week when we were recording our show live from our community-run radio station, we were plagued by technical difficulties that started from the very beginning of the show when I tried to adjust my microphone and um, it was on a boom stand and it like fell off and <laughs> it was hanging by the wires and the parts were rolled all over the studio floor and things only got worse. Uh, the sound files that I had prepared for the show weren't playing on the station computer and uh, you know, we were in the middle of the naked news and Megan was reading the stories and I, I couldn't make my normal commentary because I was so distracted trying to figure out how to fix everything. So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Times like this, a person like myself would usually say things like shit or fuck or you know, you have to help relieve the stress of the situation. But because of censorship from the FCC on FM and uh, I can't say these things, I can't even say, like, this is pissing me off because piss is one of the so-called seven dirty words not allowed on the radio station. So as I was falling asleep last night, it occurred to me that there's a definite sexist and misogynist bent to this particular use of censorship. If you examine the words more closely, I can show you what I mean. Perhaps shit and piss are just silly, kind of a puritanical fear of bodily functions or something. But what about cunt and tit? Why are these beautiful parts of a woman's anatomy turned into dirty words, I ask you? <laughs> there are no censored words describing the male anatomy. The only time one shows up is in the compound word cocksucker, which describes a sexual act being performed on a male and degrades the person performing it, which would usually be a woman, statistically. Not that a man couldn't do that, not that men don't do that, not that there's anything wrong with men doing that. The other compound word on the list, motherfucker, implies that someone who copulates with a mother is somehow a bad person, again, degrading women. And censoring the words the FCC is determining for the rest of us what is obscene. 
In the case of the famous Super Bowl segment where Janet Jackson's breast was flashed across the television screens of millions of American homes. Oh, the children, the children. We have an even more extreme case of misogyny. Instead of starting a national dialogue of why it's our culture finds female breasts to be illegal, but men's same part can be displayed at will, this incident caused a tightening of uh, restrictions, censorship rules, and fines. Tits are not to be heard or seen. Unless, of course, it's in the corporate advertising shown between the orgiastic bouts of men slamming into each other and grabbing each other's asses. In that case, tits are objectified and cunts are desirable, and they're both used to sell beer and giant automobiles and any other piece of shit product that speeds us towards oblivion. Feminists have tried to reclaim words that are used to degrade women, such words as cunt and tit. One example of this is the book Cunt by Inga Musio, in which she claims that only by reconnecting with love for their genitalia can women achieve personal and political power. The queer-friendly and famous feminist indie band Bitch and Animal actually have a hidden track on their eternally hard CD called The Pussy Manifesto, in which they riff on this very theme. One of the manifesto's main objectives is to reclaim the word pussy by using the word to describe something cool or hip, instead of the common derogatory way of using it to describe someone who is not courageous. That was so pussy of you to rescue the hens from the factory farm, for example. <laughs> um, speaking of courage, when we say it takes a lot of balls to do something, we mean it takes a lot of courage. This use of the male anatomy to symbolize courage and the female anatomy to symbolize the lack of courage in the case of pussy implies that women don't have courage as a natural biological impulse. Bitch and Animal recommend that when we speak of a woman's courage, we should say, that takes a lot of egg instead of, that takes a lot of balls. So as not to confuse vegans, I would recommend instead saying, that takes a lot of ovaries. Because, you know, if you say eggs, you know, there's so many other connotations of the word. And while we're on the subject of women who have lots of ovaries, I would like to introduce our featured interview, which didn't make it onto the broadcast version of our show due to annoying technical problems and lack of time. Jenny Brown and Ashley Smith. Uh, they're board members of the Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary at Woodstock, New York. I met Jenny about three or four years ago at Farm Sanctuary in Watkins Glen, New York, while she was learning to be a caretaker in order to someday start her own sanctuary. Her dreams finally came true. And about two years ago, Jenny and her husband, uh, Doug Abel, purchased some land in Woodstock, which at the time only included the house they now live in. Over the past two years, Jenny and Doug have accepted dozens of animals, built two barns, acres of fencing, and had some of the coolest fundraisers the animal rights movement has ever seen. I had the pleasure of volunteering several weekends along the way, and um, I helped put up lots of fencing. <laughs> got to work on the barn a little. My favorite part was putting the roof on. I got to climb up on top of the roof with screw guns and felt some good adrenaline rushes up there. Extreme sports barn building. I met a lot of um, people, great people there while I was volunteering, and one of them was Ashley Smith. Ashley lives in her New York City with her husband, Dan Perraro, where they do lots of activism for animals and also a lot of fundraising for the farm. You know, behind every successful woman, there's a funny guy, and Dan is one of the funniest people I know. He does a nationally syndicated comic strip called Bizarro, and he uses that platform occasionally to promote animal rights agenda in a humorous way. I interviewed Dan while I, when I was at the farm, and um, that interview is going to be featured in our next show. And in this show, you're going to get just Jenny and Ashley, who are 
both heroes of mine and good friends, and I had lots of fun interviewing them. Before I play that interview, though, I would like to thank you for letting me get all these so-called dirty words we have not been able to say on the air out of my system for this special podcast segment. I wish Megan was here to cuss with me, but she's busy with her vegan baking schedule. So check out OhSweetMamas.com if you want to see some of the stuff she makes. She makes some of the best cookies and cupcakes on the planet, I think. You can order some things online. Her full website's going to be coming out later on. But while she's not here to blush, I'd just like to say that she is an amazing baker and a great person. If I have offended any listeners, please go to our show forums and let us know what offended you. We'd love to hear from you and know you're out there listening. Due to poor recording quality and technical obstacles at the radio station, I don't think we're going to be recording our shows live anymore, which makes me a little sad. But between uh, the piano playing upstairs, the Windows operating system, which is sucking the soul out of me every time I look at it, um, some weird alien noise that was showing up in the background of our recordings, uh, it just isn't feasible for us to record there except in cases where we don't have our show ready on time and we have to go in there and wing a few parts. We'll continue to provide our podcast listeners with extra content that either won't fit into our one-hour segment or would cause our community-owned and uh, liberal Northampton radio station to be shut down by the FCC, which would be a terrible tragedy in itself. So we'll have to live with their rules. But I say, fuck them. Fuck the FCC and their stupid seven dirty words. Uh, the new media is now websites, blogs, and podcasts. And the rest of the mainstream media is just a tool of the state, as far as I'm concerned. When the FCC finally does try to regulate blogging and podcasting, uh, as I'm sure they will, I encourage you all to take to the streets and protest, because that's our last bastion of freedom. After that, we're going to be living under totalitarianism, because we won't be able to get information to each other to let us know what's really going on with the world. Without free press, there's no free people. Now that I've foisted my tirade upon you, I'd like to uh, give you the long-awaited interview with Ashley Smith and Jenny Brown of Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary. This is Derek Goodwin, and I'm at Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary in Woodstock, New York, here with a bunch of chickens, roosters, turkeys, pigs, sheep, cows, goats, and pigeons. Now, we're going to be talking to some different people who are associated with the farm including Doug and Jenny Brown, the farm co-founders. There's some new animals here from Umani Farm Sanctuary in Pennsylvania that just recently sadly closed but is now living on with the animals in Woodstock Farm Sanctuary, which is recently opened. And uh, coming up the road right now, we have three turkeys. Let's see if uh, they have any news for us this afternoon. They just got three turkeys from Farm Sanctuary in Watkins Glen, New York. Mr. Turkey, what do you have to say for yourself today? Oh! All right, I'm here with Jenny Brown and Ashley Lou Smith. How you doing, Ashley? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm all right. You know. <laughs> Every time I come here, Jenny puts me to work. So I'm, I'm sore all over my body. Tell us about these turkeys from Farm Sanctuary. Well, these are three big male turkeys that probably weigh about 40 pounds each. And um, we just brought them back from Farm Sanctuary because they took four of our broiler roosters. Um, With animals this big, you have to keep the males and females separated. So we've got three big turkey males. And and now we've got a flock of female-only broiler hens. And these guys don't try to get it on with the broiler hens. So it's... uh, you know, it's a 
separate sexes little community we're building over there in the bird kingdom. Can you get them to gobble for us? Or? Is there a trick? <laughs> well, Jenny's good at it. <laughs> What's your role in this, Ashley? My role in this? <laughs> um, I'm a board member, and I try to spread the good word in New York City, where I live, and uh, get get people enthused and participating and learning more about this place. How'd you meet Jenny Brown? We met at Farm Sanctuary at the Hoedown, a little party party. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I was describing that last night. We, we met at the Hoedown. Jenny was working there. Um, and I was partying there. You won an award that year for yeah, I, I um, was Activist of the Year. <laughs> she was Activist of the Year at Farm Sanctuary and I actually was there and receiving an award. And Dan Perraro, her husband, stood up and he was also doing a little uh, comedy show. Mm-hmm. That yep. was the first time I'd seen him do his comedy show. Yeah, trying to make funny jokes about factory farming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's an hard thing to do. Yeah. That's what we do on vegan radio all the time. So. Yeah, it's exactly. So you got to put a little humor into it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was working there, and I invited Dan and Ashley over because they seemed like hip people, and I knew who they were. And they came over, and we had drinks and merriment. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. Yeah. You then you moved to the city. I moved to the city for six months after I left Farm Sanctuary to find a place to start a sanctuary of our own. Did you find a place? I did. Right here in Woodstock. We're in Woodstock, New York, and uh, we decided to call the sanctuary, you know, pretty much what it is, Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary, so there was no confusion, and we weren't dealing with phone calls every day about us being a petting zoo or or if we bred farm animals, you know, so hopefully the name sort of says what we are. But um, we bought 23 acres here, and um, ever since we moved in, we've been basically building the farm from scratch. It was just a big, empty pasture. And um, with the help of some tireless volunteers and a really great active board, we've pulled in enough money to build a pig barn, a new goat and sheep barn. Um, oh, come on, pig hey, 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 hey. This interview is being held in the chicken shed. Yeah, and we're introducing, we're sitting out here uh, because we're introducing a new hen. Um, her name is Little Red Rosie. Rosie was found running around, I think, um, the Bronx. And a lady took her in, and she became really friendly. But so we're integrating her, and we just have to watch her for a little bit to make sure she doesn't get, you know, it's not kicked out of her. So they have to figure out where they stand in the pecking order? Is yes. that what this is? That's where pecking order came about. Yep. Yeah, so um, she seems like she's holding her own, though, which is nice. Yeah. But she's outnumbered, you know. She really hasn't seen. What's funny is that she keeps picking up big pieces of dried poop, thinking it's food, and then popping it, putting it back down, realizing her mistake. (laughs) We think we're going to be opening up this summer. We have to go through... we have to jump through th- through some hoops with the town. We have to get our special use permit, which will allow us to be open to the public and to have um, hours that are advertised and um, and try to get people here. But because of that, there's things like you know a handicap accessible bathroom and parking and zoning issues and and there's a hearing period where the neighbors can come forth and talk about their complaints which so far have been i don't want to hear all those roosters crowing in the morning and then a lot of people have the misconception that 
you know, um, even a small group of pigs will create a terrible stench and environmental pollutants. We have 12 very well-kept pigs, and, you know, as long as we clean up after them and keep them in a, a clean environment, which is easy to do when they have an acre to run around on and a big, you know, warm barn filled with straw, some neighbors had concerns about us getting pigs, and now that we've got them and they, they see that there is no smell, we haven't heard any complaints. We don't know what's going on. We're just, you know, we're being overly cautious because this is our baby. You know, this this sanctuary is um, a lot of dreams come true. We're just in a prime location. We're eight miles from the very center of Woodstock, and we're in a progressive town, a very democratic, you know, environmentally conscious town. You know, we hope to be open. This is... March, and we aspire to be open by the end of July or August. And uh, even if those are within really limited terms, you know, we're open one day a week and we get to advertise in this publication. We have to have a porta potty here or something. You know, we're going to work with them. But so we've been working on this for almost two years. We would have bought the house, it'll be two years in May. And so our hope is that. Um, within two years we'll be you know which is way ahead of our own schedule we'll actually be open to the public which would be really cool because that'll help our membership once people see that we're a tangible thing and that we're doing good work and that there's animals you know a tangible thing that they can come see and visit and animals that they can visit and hear about our you know what it is that our educational message is all about we hope that we'll get a lot of public support and therefore memberships and, you know, a, a monthly influx of donations that'll help us fund this. Oh, you have a chicken on your arm, Derek. Yeah, it's Hello. <laughs> <laughs> this is the new chicken. What's his name? Her name is Her name? Little Red Rosie. Little Red Rosie. Hi. You're very silly. Good Her feet are kind of chilly. She's very... <laughs> Hello. Somebody had her uh, with a small group of hens that I think they were using for eggs, and she escaped over into this woman's backyard, and she took her in, and she's been taking care of her. And we've been talking on the phone for about two months. She thought it was a rooster until she started laying he eggs. As you can see, she, the woman who was keeping her gave her a lot of love and was, you know, handling her every day. My introduction to her was she jumped up on my arm and then on top of my head. I've never had a chicken land on my head. <laughs> that was a new one for me. She's a petite little little thing. But then Pecan here, who looks crazy, keeps coming over and harassing her. Pecan's like our wonder girl. She's the chicken superstar here, but she thinks she thinks she is the leader of the pack, and so she is establishing the pecking order here in the hen house. Could you tell us about the uh, incident in Italy? Oh, we'll let Ashley tell that story. That's a good. Oh, uh, that was. Um, well, yeah, we were in we were in Rome, and it was a beautiful Sunday, you know, sunny Sunday afternoon, and um, we happened upon this disgusting display. There was a a woman unloading a literally a car full. The entire thing was just full of fur, fur coats, hats, God knows what, just you know skins everywhere and she was she was taking them into this into this uh store and as we walked by you know we were all pretty disgusted by it and we walked by and i spit 
<laughs> I got so mad it made me spit. And um, it was like a little, you know, my, my own little private protest of, of what was happening. And it was a pretty simple thing. And Jenny happened to have, you know, she had a nice cold. So she had, she had some excess <laughs> mucus to get rid of. So I followed suit. She followed suit. So it was just a, a couple of real simple little spits on the sidewalk. <laughs> so did you spit in the direction of the woman? or no, can't... No, no, That's the thing. We just spit on the sidewalk, not toward in, her, in, in front, front, front of the, of the store. store. Yeah, it was in front of the store, but it wasn't on the window. It wasn't in the doorway. It was, it could, it, it could have well just been, you know, in front of a car. You know I mean? It was, it was, it wasn't, Anyway, it was, it was... And was it really phlegmy or was it more saliva? It was more saliva, mine. I'm, mine I was very phlegmy. Yeah, she, <laughs> she had a phlegmy version. <laughs> I had yeah. a really nasty head cold. Yeah, and we had just had a couple of wines and, you know, we were just kind of feeling loose and carefree. <laughs> <laughs> when in Rome. Yeah. And that's where we were. That's where we were. So, yeah. So, I, apparently we were seen by the by the woman running the shop and her, her nasty daughter, um, <laughs> it, it, it was a disgusting display of humanity, really. I mean, they were just, they were just repulsive. And they started, they, they were, the woman, the, the younger of the two was, was screaming and, 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 were, and yelling all sorts of oh. what we know to be, you know, Italian expletives. Yeah, absolutely. And so she had that and Jenny was, you know, saying, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, no, no. You, <laughs> you know, it's what you're doing is wrong. And we were all just sort of watching this happen. And she runs up to Jenny and is in her face, just completely, you know. We were really, she's being, Ashley's being very calm. We were totally yelling yeah, they profanity were totally screaming. Yeah, at each other. It was, they were like nose to nose. And, and, you know, and we thought it was going to end at that, you know, a couple of, of screams here and there and then this old man the 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 father of of the enterprise just came up and what we thought was going to be him breaking this screaming match apart he proceeded to slug the hell out of jenny <laughs> he i got punched right in the side of the head really hard just like knocked her i mean it was crazy unexpected and so then everybody's like okay here we go <laughs> i got punched by an old man <laughs> an old italian furrier <laughs> in my ear in my ear my yeah. ear burned and stung all day and then you know so then we all kind of get in and dan approaches and because dan happens to look very italian i think they took that as as a bigger insult like what is what is this italian doing with these crazy <laughs> animal lovers <laughs> so yeah he uh he then got the the husband and then the dad were they basically knocked the hell out of him and he was on the ground his glasses flew off it was a free-for-all man it was, it was just like <laughs> it was it was insane it was you know a it group was, of it was nuts yeah like six well-dressed adults <laughs> in in a well-to-do area of Rome yeah. having a total like balls to the wall brawl yeah, right was, in the middle of the sidewalk yeah just ball, and i the only thing i could do is grab the the the, the younger woman um, by the throat, <laughs> just trying to get her away, I was and like pushed down on the hood of the car, and Ashley was just trying to get him off me. Yeah, and you know I'm scratching at this woman's neck, just trying to have some impact, and and it it sort of fizzled. You know, it ended up kind of everybody was exhausted and panting and screaming, and then it um it 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 ended up finishing, and and we're sort of breathing heavy, and 
wondering what the hell just happened. <laughs> it was crazy. It was really crazy. Yeah. And it happened probably in the matter of three minutes and it felt and and we just lost time it's like we've completely time stood still and we completely you know couldn't even wrap our head around what happened you know we were basically at this point just really unhappy with these people and um there was not much that could be done beyond what we had already done and i did notice that that the the old hag had dropped her scarf and her hat and i picked up her hat and i threw it in the street and a car ran over it and she had and she still proceeded to like walk over and pick it up and in in a real cowardly way and it was it was a pathetic sight really so i'm glad i hope that you know there was at least some old chewing gum or something on that tire that got <laughs> got in the, that got in there just embedded into her hat but that was that was it. That was my little tiny victory. <laughs> That's all yeah. I can say. So tell us about this benefit you're having. We're having a benefit March 30th. Actually, ask Ashley about it. <laughs> yeah, it's um it's March 30th between the hours of 7:30 and 10:30, but you know, you can stay as late as you like, of course. And um it's going to be at a bar, which is fun. In the East Village. It's East 3rd between A and B, closer to B. New York City, yep, right there in, in downtown Manhattan, sorry. And, um, yeah, it's a bar without a sign outside, yeah. but it's known as Phil Sherman's Bar. Yeah, I think he still calls it No Malice Palace. No Malice Palace. There's a green light bulb out front. That's that's all. That's the only really... It's one of those chic, nameless bars. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a, it's a very comfortable... Is know. there a dress code? Um, you just have to wear something. Yeah, that's it. Just uh, no, no nudity. No nudist, Buddhist, raw foodist. You just start off with the nudity. Maybe, maybe by the end of the night, if we could raffle the nudity, we'd do it. <laughs> if there's some market. So what? What is going to be happening once people get inside? We're going to have some donated food from area restaurants, vegan restaurants, and um, there's going to be a raffle and a little bit of you know comedy and hoo ha from Dan Peraro. And we might have um, a musical performer for a brief period of time. And raffle and fundraising yeah. total motivation. Just, yeah, just a little bar party. It's it's going to be nice and relaxed. Um, you know, once it starts, that's it's pretty much going to take care of itself, you know. <laughs> it's a, just order a beer and eat some unchicken wings and... You know, our hope is to raise money to to help us cover the costs, our newly expanded costs of um, now housing 16 goats, 8 sheep. We've gotten, you know, we got a calf about six months ago. We just got three turkeys in. We took in 40 big broiler hens from a, a rescue in Brooklyn. So we've got many, many more mouths to feed. And because of that, and because of the additional work now, we have two part-time employees. So our operating costs really just jumped. And we need to bring in some more money because we're, you know, again, anticipating having more regular income once we're open to the public. But for right now, and just launching us off and getting us off the ground, we need to gather support for us to do that. How can people who uh, don't live near New York City contribute to your cause? Well, uh, we offer educational information on the website, and um, you can tell other people about us and sign up on our e-newsletter and check out our events. And What's the website? The website is woodstockssanctuary.org. You can sponsor an animal. You can sign up and sponsor a chicken for $10 a month or $50 a month for a steer. 
I think it's $30 for a pig, maybe 40 Anyway, we just got it all set up, and you can sponsor any animal you want. And in exchange, we'll send a picture and the story, the rescue story of that animal. And we're trying to get year-round donors of, for these animals, sponsors of these animals. All right. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Vegan Radio. To find out more about anything we talked about on the show, be sure to check our show notes at www.veganradio.com. All the episodes of Vegan Radio are available to download on our website. You can also subscribe to the Vegan Radio podcast on our website, and it'll be delivered fresh to your computer every two weeks. And while you're at the website... You know you're Jones in for tofu. <laughs> while you're at the website, also check out our show forums and sign up for our email list so you can keep up with the latest news and happenings. We have forums set up for you to share news stories with us and have further discussions about topics we cover in the show. Please let us know you're out there listening and tell us what you would like to hear about on our future shows. We encourage our podcast listeners to write us a review at the Apple iTunes Music Store or any other podcast site that you frequent. Vegan Radio is a production of Veganica.com and all content is copyrighted. Feel free to share our shows with your friends, but if you want to steal them for your own nefarious purposes, you better watch out because the vegan police will find you. Vegan police, you're under arrest. We'll see you in another two weeks for another episode of Vegan Radio. Radio.